Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. It's not as sexy a story if you're an Edmonton Oiler fan because in terms of who they're going to lose because they're not losing a James Neal or a, even a, like a Brian Rust or somebody who's in Pittsburgh and is a really good player or Ian Cole in defense or Dumba in Minnesota or maybe you know Manson or Vatanen or depending on what kind of deals are made so it's not as sexy here but it's still fun to to look at and and I wish there was an expansion draft every year to be honest. That's Jim Matheson, veteran hockey writer for the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun, on what's been an interesting time in the NHL, the addition of a 31st franchise and the process of stocking the team, the Vegas Golden Knights. Each of the other 30 teams will lose one player to Vegas, who will announce their choices the evening of June 21st. The Edmonton Oilers don't stand to lose a relatively significant player in this draft, but others do. The Golden Knights general manager, George McPhee, likely has a clutch of trades in hand as teams maneuver to protect assets. It all makes for compelling off-ice drama in the world of hockey. As the orders in the NHL head into the busiest portion of the offseason, not only the expansion draft but the usual entry draft and free agency period, Edmonton is deciding what approach to take to staff its defense. Chris Russell, who proved to be a key player over the season and in the playoffs for the Oilers, is set to become an unrestricted free agent July 1st. With a long-term injury to defenseman Andre Sekera, it would seem the Oilers would be very interested in bringing Russell back. The future of winger Jordan Eberle, the longest-serving Oiler and one of the team's chief offensive producers over his seven years on the club, is in doubt after his playoff scoring drought. He scored 20 goals during the regular season, but none in the Oilers' 13 postseason games. That, and he makes $6 million a season. Also, his spotty defensive play and the fact the Oilers need to re-sign Leon Dreisaitl to a long-term contract extension with a sizable raise puts Everly on Oilers GM Peter Chiarelli's trade-chopping block. Matheson and fellow hockey writer Robert Tichkowski were in studio earlier this week to talk about this busy period for the Oilers. I'm Craig Ellingson. This is our Oil Spills podcast for June 21st, 2017.
I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know about Raw. <laughs> it, it's very interesting, and even though you're thinking, well, like a team's going to only lose one player, what's the big deal? But there's a lot of teams with good players, and they can't protect them all. So you're looking at, at Las Vegas, and you're thinking, gee, George McVie, McPhee, I mean, he's like a poker player in Vegas, you know, trying not to tell you anything, but also knowing that, that he's got all the cards here. He can pick a player off another team and trade that player to another team and get something better. And, you know, he's going to get good players there um, and hopefully get 25 draft picks this year, too, because that's what he seems to be looking for. So the Oilers, like I said, it's not as sexy a story if you're an Edmonton Oiler fan because in terms of who they're going to lose because they're not losing a James Neal or a, even a, like a Brian Rust or somebody who was in Pittsburgh and is a really good player or Ian Cole on defense or Dumba in Minnesota or maybe you know Manson or Vatanen or depending on what kind of deals are made so it's not as sexy here but it's still fun to to look at and, and I wish there was an expansion draft every year to be honest <laughs> It, you know, this year it's it's more interesting than the the entry draft's going to be for an Edmonton Oilers fan. Yeah, it's, I mean Edmonton's list. You know, the minute they announced the thing, you, you put together Edmonton's protected list in about fifteen seconds, and that's the one that, that came out yesterday. It was obvious; it, it it wrote itself. But what a position Vegas is in! Like you have so many avenues to either stockpile draft picks to avoid, you know, picking one of their players, or you know, picking the cream of the crop off the team, or making trades for other teams like Edmonton could go to Vegas and say listen we're looking for you know a top four defenseman can you take this guy and then you know after you know after the draft's over we'll give you a couple of guys and you fire it back to us there's just a million moving parts to this thing and and when everything settles down here uh, you know after the after the draft itself and the awards it's it's going to be a a lot of furious action and you can also put Vegas to work for you like I said you you know, we you know Edmonton needs a forward. You know, for Everly, find somebody, draft him off this team. We'll give you this and that, or get us a defenseman. We'll give you this and that. It's uh, it's really interesting to see how this goes. It's very interesting because you've got an owner thinking, I can win, a, I can be in the Cup playoffs in three years, and you got a general manager saying, Well, hold on a second here. Yeah, we have to build through the draft, so I want as many draft picks as I can get. So, Am I going to get any sexy players to sell to the fans in, in Las Vegas this year other than Marc-Andre Fleury in goal? You can sell the fact the guy's won three Stanley Cups in goal, but you better find a forward, too, that maybe somebody's heard about in, in Las Vegas who might do some damage offensively as well. Yeah, they got two schools of thought there. That if you just took the best player off every team, you could put together a really good Vegas team fairly quickly, but that would flame out in about two two years, and then you'd have no picks and you'd be starting again and your ticket sales and everything would sag. So you have to balance between getting enough good players right now to put on the marquee and be competitive, but also to have enough young players and prospects and draft picks that, you know, four, five, six years uh, in the future when, you know, it's you're supposed to be good, that you are good. So George is picking the wrong year for the ex- entry draft, though it's not a great entry draft. Yeah. Is in the previous five years or so where they're so deep you could get terrific players if you had all these draft picks, but... It's not as good this year, so they'll get lots of picks, but how good they'll be, considering they're not picking first or second, uh, they're picking sixth, so unless they're picking first or second, they're not going to get a high-end center. be interesting to see George McPhee or the Vegas Golden Knights' war room, yeah. where you know, the NERB you know, draft central, big whiteboard, you know, well, side be, deals written down. I think it would be fun 
if you could work a deal, you know, with, at the newspaper and say, look, I'd like to be in the room when you're picking these guys and, and while you're making, taking all the calls and stuff, and then we'll write it after the fact. Because it'd be very interesting just to listen to the calls yeah. and find out what you're being <laughs> offered for these players. Yeah. There's a million balls in the air. Like just everybody, you know, don't take our guy. We'll give you this, and no, you take that guy, and then we'll give you that. And you're trying to weigh these options. It's uh, it'd be a lot of fun. Very complicated, though. I think it's it's something that takes months of preparation. One thing in their favor, they don't have to spend seventy five million dollars to the cap. They only they only have to spend sixty percent of the floor they only have to spend about 40 million dollars so 43 i think it is mm-hmm. so they don't have to take high-end offensive players to get to the floor either although mm-hmm. you would think they'd have to take somebody who's making some salary so once the dust settles from this expansion draft of course we don't know who's been taking from where and all that but you know considering the orders you know don't stand to lose you know they don't stand to lose a, a very important player in this process the it could be an advantage to the Oilers, and perhaps in the standings, or in you know, at least you know, if the at least the Nashville are you know going to lose a good player off their roster, will it make that much of a difference in the play in the NHL? And plus, you're adding an extra team. Well, it makes a difference to the Oilers because Vegas is going to be in the yeah. same division yeah. as the Oilers. <laughs> so, uh, if you're an expand, if you're an expansion draft junkie. In Edmonton, you're more interested in what Las Vegas is going to do because they're in the same division as Edmonton. So you're going to see Vegas play five times, you know, as opposed to, you know, being in another division and getting them twice and you don't really care what their team looks like, just who you might lose off your team. But you're more interested in the whole the whole thing. And if you're the Oilers, I suspect Las Vegas would take Griffin Reinhardt. Uh I don't know if you're Peter Shirelli, if you care if you lose Griffin Reinhardt, although you might because you gave up a first-round draft choice and a second-round draft choice mm-hmm. to trade for him in the first place. So maybe you're looking at it and saying, you know what, I still kind of like him, so maybe we'll trade you a third-round pick to not take him. And this year with some defensemen not in the picture, maybe he makes our team. So I don't know. Uh, the the players they're picking off, the Edmonton Oilers, I'm not even sure that they can make the Golden Knights roster next season if they pick a lot of players who are regulars off other teams yeah that's just the opportunity to, to pile up points i mean you play an expansion team five times a season you should you know the oilers as good as they expect to be next year should be five and oh so i mean there's 10 free points and, and stats nights for uh, a lot of your guys so i'm and a few trips to vegas so i'm sure edmonton's quite happy to welcome the knights into the league What if Rampoisois was taken in the draft? Just, yeah. just for argument's sake, you know, uh, you know, every any given year there's there are a few goalies to choose from, but he is the only goalie in the pipeline right now of any quality that we know of that who, you that you could legitimately bring up and start 15, yeah. 20 games next year for sure. Yeah. But there's a million goalies out of there out there. You'd, trouble is you'd have to pay more than the seven. 50 yeah. he's making to get one of them mm-hmm. to back up and play 20 games a year so um, they didn't do well last year with Gustafson as the backup but there's lots of goalies looking for work now mm-hmm. as backups I'm sure they, they could find one but yeah. if you, the problem with losing Bressois is you put all this time and effort right. into him 
and he finally looks like he's an NHL backup goaltender, and then to lose him in the expansion draft, yeah. then you wonder what's the point of even drafting goalies? <laughs> you put, honestly, yeah. to be honest, <laughs> I mean they didn't draft him, but they traded Ladislav Schmid for him four or five years ago. So, you know. It kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, last goalie they drafted that started was like Fear. Like the, I mean, yeah. literally all the goalies that they or Dubnik, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, but he, Dubnik ten took ten years. Yeah, mm-hmm. drafted <laughs> him in two thousand and four. So I mean, he took not ten, but he took about eight. Yeah, and the last year and a half was pretty rough before yeah. they yeah. so skidded him. So. Um, you know, Chris Russell, can you trade for another defenseman? Well, what about the current guys? I mean, is Darnell Nurse or Matt Benning, are they ready to make the jump to fill in and, you know, fill Sekera's shoes? I doubt it. I don't think. I mean, maybe Rob not. May maybe not Benning, I don't think they're Darnell quite Nurse. ready to play 20 minutes a game as Russell and Sekera play. I think they're going to be really good players, but right now I still think they're third-pairing young defensemen, uh, and, and they've been sheltered in terms of who they play against, and then suddenly you're in the second pairing and you're playing against second lines all the time. Um, it's more difficult. Um, they're going to be good players. Are they ready to play 20 minutes a game? Uh, I'm not so sure right now. Yeah, ask Justin Schultz how that worked out for you when they throw you uh, a little you know, into the deep end before you're ready for it. Like, you know, Give them time, and they'll both grow into wonderful defenseman I'm pretty sure of that but you, you throw a, especially in that position too much too soon you know it starts weighing on the confidence and, and you know the, in Edmonton they kind of tend to eat their young a little bit so you know that that sort of becomes this self-perpetuating vortex just leave them where they are I think they're quite content where they are and then find somebody else to fill that spot because you can ruin a young kid like that and that's what happened last fall when the Oilers signed Chris Russell at the last minute you know, I'd like to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, realizing, okay, w- these young players aren't ready for those minutes. And could that, I guess that could happen again this fall as well. I mean, if Chris Russell, say, does sign right off the hop with someone else, and then I, it's, I guess it's a matter of waiting and seeing who's available. And what is the, what is the likelihood, though, of, you know, how long do you wait to sign somebody, if that is the case. Well, you don't want to sign anybody for a long-term contract either. If you think that Nurse and Benning are going to be second-pairing defensemen, you don't want to get somebody tied in who's a little bit older for four years or something, and that suddenly he's making $4 million playing in the third pairing. So it's a tightrope that Pete Chiarelli has to walk, but apart from Cam Talbot and goal, you cannot win unless you have at least four really good defensemen in mm-hmm. the National Hockey League, which is why Nashville made it to the Cup Final. They had four great defensemen, and they made it to the Stanley Cup Final. If you've only got two, and then some question marks, one because Secker's hurt, and one, another one because Russell, they can't re-sign Russell, then they're going to work Clefbaum and Larson to exhaustion against you know, penalty kill, power play, whatever, and that's not going to work. Yeah, they lucked out a little bit getting Russell at the last second, and the odds of doing that two years in a row where you can find this stopgap player on a one- or two-year contract who can play top four 
minutes on the blue line is 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 a, is is a tall order, a lot to ask of any GM. So I think somehow getting Russell back is important, but you know all, all the cards are sort of uh, in his favor right now. He can, you know, a lot of everybody saw what he could do last year, and he's a UFA. I know he wants to stick around the Alberta area, but you know, money's money, and and if this is his last big contract, you, you want to you want to strike it rich on that. So it's. Uh, I think you're going to have to work hard to get them and being careful that they don't overpay them. The Edmonton Oilers are going to trade Jordan Eberle. I'd be shocked if they don't trade him because they have to divest themselves of his $6 million salary to have some money to sign Leon Dreisaitl. So they'll be taking back some player, hopefully makes half that and is a young player too not somebody older than his 26 and has nothing to do with the fact that Everly can't play he's still a 50 point National Hockey League player but 6 million dollars they have to find some money for Dreisaitl yeah you're just factoring the reason why he would be on the block and it's the, the, the primary reason because I mean you know he does kick in 20-25 goals a year which is important and they will have to replace that otherwise they're going to find themselves very short you know up front on the right hand side but you know, you, it's a money trade, so you're going to lose it. No, you're going, you go into that trade knowing you're going to lose it. You're going to get a lesser player because it's a guy who's making, you know, a third the money if 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 you're lucky. So I mean, if that's the base for that trade, then you have to. Then that's the base for that trade. You're gonna you're gonna trade for a lesser player who's making less money and accept the fact that you lost the trade. That's just the way it has to be. And you know, and the Larson deal. I think they liked the Larson deal because he was tied into a contract at four million. For several years, and they were trading a player. Taylor Hall made six, so they're saving two, and they had Larson's contract tied up for three or four years. And they'd have to worry about re-signing him. What else are the orders looking to do this summer to prepare for next year? What should they be looking to do? They need a third-line center uh, who is capable enough to get, say, twenty goals and forty points. Because I think Mark Letestu, they figure he's the fourth-line center. And a you know versatile Swiss Army knife kind of player who can move around, but he's a fourth line center. You need a third line Nick Benino type center with some offensive ability uh, if they want to play Drysail uh, on the wing. Or, but if they want to play him at center, then I don't know where Nugent Hopkins plays because mm-hmm. he's six million dollars for a third line center is an awful lot of money. Yeah. So. And if they trade Everly, you need you need a second line right winger all of a sudden. Yeah. And I don't think. And I'm pretty sure Jesse Pugliarvi isn't just going to step into that role. So if, you know, everybody says, okay, let's move Everly. Okay, now what are you going to do about, you know, you trade Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly in back-to-back uh, years, suddenly you have a lot of offense to make up. So, you know, you're going to need a right winger. You're going to need somebody to start the season on defense with uh, Sekera out. So there's, there's, there's still some pretty significant holes that need to be, you know, as, as complete a picture as they looked last year, there's still some holes that, that – important holes that have to be fixed for next season this season i think they're strong on left wing not strong at all on right wing no no. and strong really strong at center really strong on left wing pretty good on defense if they can get another defenseman but right wing is a bit of a black hole if they're going to trade everly because you're right pooley rv doesn't look like he's ready to suddenly pop in 25 and and zach cassian is a third line energy type right winger and if Dreisaitl, I guess Dreisaitl have to play right wing. Yeah, there's suddenly <laughs> yeah, it gets really thick. I don't think he's, he's they have any choice. Yeah. He'd have to play right wing and 
to be honest, after watching him in the playoffs, he's more valuable as a second-line center. Yeah. Can you repurpose anybody else for the right wing? One of those left wingers? I don't. I think Maroon and Lucic are basically left wingers, aren't they? I don't know. Maybe Maroon could play right wing. Can can Nugent Hopkins play right wing? I don't know. Uh, Well, he doesn't win too many face-offs, so if he could play right wing... I don't think it makes a lot of difference once you lose once the faceoffs taken who's, who's playing where. I mean, he should be able to play on the wing. Yeah, but I don't. He's never played the wing. He's always been a center from the time he was twelve years old through his NHL career. He's never been a winger. So yeah. we'll see. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can subscribe to our show on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon.